Welcome to A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk, with Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Get ready to focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application. Here is your host, Rev. Jennifer Hadley. Bonjour. Bonjour. (laughs) Oh my goodness. What a life. What a life. (laughs) Oh, I am loving this topic that I got for us this week, undoing the victimhood, the uh, victim identification. Let's get that undone. Moving on, moving past. Yes. So let's begin with a blessing. Hands on our hearts. Let's take that breath of gratitude and be so grateful and so thankful that we can leave the victim behind. We can no longer identify with the victim. We're letting it go, letting it be the past. We are grateful to open ourselves to the unprecedented, to the pure and perfect love that we already are. We are grateful to surrender any and all attraction or attachment that we have to playing the victim or seeing ourselves as a victim of the world. We are not a victim of the world we see. We are grateful that this is the truth, and truth is liberating, so we're choosing liberation We are choosing truth. We are choosing to know and remember our true identity and to give thanks for that. We share the benefits with our brothers and sisters because we are one with them. In gratitude, we let it be, and so it is. Amen. 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 Ah, not a victim of the world we see. Yes. I tell you, I used to have so many attachments to playing the victim. I would never have believed it. If you had tried to tell me, oh, you're acting like a victim, you're thinking like a victim, you're behaving like a victim, you think of yourself as a victim, you feel to me like you would like to be a victim. If anybody had said any of those things to me, I would have knocked him in the head. I would have said, you don't know me. You are projecting onto me. (laughs) But now I can see that absolutely I saw myself as a victim of the world in so many ways. So many ways. And so I've looked at why would I have found that to be appealing or attractive so let's look deeply into us, into this, and into ourselves, into our awareness, definitely. <laughs> and so, lesson 16, I have no neutral thoughts. Now, we are told that everything in this world is neutral. This is a one of the foundational teachings of A Course in Miracles, that everything in this world is neutral. But we see no neutral things because we have no neutral thoughts. So lesson 16, 
is I have no neutral thought. And we, it says here in the beginning, the idea for today is a beginning step in dispelling the belief that your thoughts have no effect. Everything you see is the result of your thoughts. There is no exception to this fact. Thoughts are not big or little, powerful or weak. They are merely true or false. Those that are true create their own likeness. Those that are false make theirs. Mm-hmm. So a thought that's true might be, I am that I am, that I am part of God, that I am the dreamer of the dream, that I am perfect. These are thoughts that are true, and they will create according to their own likeness, according to their own nature. Those that are false make theirs. So false belief is, I am a victim of the world I see. So if I start thinking that, I'm going to have that experience. So um, have you ever had the experience where everything seems to be going the way you wish it wouldn't go? You, you're, uh, like for instance, sometimes I'll be counseling someone and, uh, or we have a counseling appointment. And let's say they have resistance and reluctance to what they might discover about themselves in that session. So then they can't get a signal on their, their computer or their phone at the time of the session. Or uh, right outside the window, somebody's now going to do the most extraordinary leaf-blowing Thing ever, and uh, that oh, this and this and this are happening. The dog won't stop barking. All kinds of disturbances in the field. We blame the field, and then we're a victim of the world we see. But if we are following the principles of A Course in Miracles, we take responsibility for what we see and how we feel about it. And so we move into that place of, huh. I wonder what's going on here. I'm taking responsibility for what I'm experiencing. Something's going on here. It's not what I was hoping for. It's not what I was planning. It's not what I would like. Something else is occurring. Something I can learn from. Something that's here to teach me. Because everything works together for good and there are no exceptions. Everything I see is the result of my thoughts, and there are no exceptions to this fact. So let me accept it. There are no idle thoughts, and there are no neutral thoughts. So, I am not a victim of the world I see. I am generating it. I'm generating it. So rather than going... What's wrong with me? Why do I keep doing this? Instead go, hmm, what's, what's going on here? What is actually occurring? I find this so valuable that when it seems like 
the fit is hitting the shin and everything is sliding downhill and it's unnerving and disturbing, we can go into a space right then and there of everything works together for my good. So let me accept my good here and now. Holy Spirit, show me how my good is here and now. When we're the victim of the world, we see there is no good. There is no good. And we are making meaning of the world. And that's why we are experiencing that feeling of victimhood. So why do we, why do we choose that when it doesn't feel good? Well, there's lots of reasons And first of all, we do not have to know the reasons in order to quit that behavior. We do not have to know the reasons in order to quit the behavior. So we can instead say, Holy Spirit, whatever the heck is going on here, whatever these projections are about, I am willing to change my mind. I am interested in having a totally different experience. I'm interested in having an experience of the universe completely supporting me. I'm interested in having an experience of joy and learning through joy. I am no longer interested in learning through pain and suffering. I am grateful to change my mind and to have a new experience. Please make it so now. We take our power back that way. And we're aligned with the Holy Spirit that way. And now we are opening our mind with a willingness to see things differently. I have done a number of episodes, I'm sure, about taking responsibility. So if you go into the archive, you'll be able to find them. They're they're so helpful Because this is the way out of our personal hell experience is through responsibility and, of course, self-forgiveness, forgiving ourselves for having unwittingly generated a world that we don't like and now we're living in the midst of it. And things can change so quickly. This is what I see, especially with people in Finding Freedom and Masterful Living, my two main programs. So much can change so quickly for people who are willing to do this work of responsibility. So just a note about looking in the archive. Uh, If you're on an Apple device your phone, your iPad, your computer. There are two podcasts because Apple has a limit of 300 episodes. We're over 500 episodes now. So we have the oldest episodes in A Course in Miracles archive, and then the newest episodes are in the A Course in Miracles. So two different podcasts. If you're not on an Apple device, just one podcast, so it's easy. You can search in your podcast app or on the livingacourseofmiracles.com website and find what episodes are about responsibility. It's such a key point for us to understand, so foundational 
for us to understand how to generate a happy life and be a happy learner. So I encourage you to go and take a look at that. And while you're there, if you have time to write a review, that would be so excellent. Wherever you get your podcast from, if you write a review, it really helps us. It just means that the podcast people will then recognize, oh, somebody likes this. Let's show it to some other people. It it has a positive effect on the algorithms. <laughs> the algorithms are not neutral. <laughs> All right. So one of the things uh, that uh, is interesting about the victimhood is as soon as we are willing to take responsibility. This is why it's all that's necessary for us to liberate from feeling like a victim, from feeling fear and worry and doubt, is we take responsibility for the world we see. As soon as we move into that, which is a place of courage to take that responsibility, to have strength, to have the inner strength to say, okay, I'm responsible. For the world I see. Therefore, I, I have the ability to see it differently. And when I do, my experience will change. So that raises us up vibrationally. And like attracts like. That lifting of our vibration is very valuable to us in moving out of victimhood. The victimhood is very attractive because it's so familiar. It's so familiar. Think of how many of us have had so many lifetimes as slaves in one culture or another. Maybe we've been um, concubines or just women and children in families that were dominated by men. I I can tell you I've been working with... um, folks for a long time now, decades, having very intimate experiences with them as a teacher and a spiritual counselor. And so many, particularly women, so many women, uh, especially uh, women uh, of an older age, uh, they were told, and very clearly as children, that they were to be seen and not heard that their feelings didn't matter very much, their thoughts didn't matter very much, even their life didn't matter that much. I've talked with so many women who had brothers who they were going to college, but their parents wouldn't pay for them to go to college because they didn't need to. That was pointless. They're going to get married, they're going to have children. What do they need to go to college for? There's no need for it. So why would the parents pay for it? And literally, they wouldn't pay for it. The daughters had to pay for it themselves. They had to find jobs and do all of that. And not only did they have to do all that work themselves, they also had to survive the belittling and the ostracizing and the snide comments and the sarcastic comments And I remember even, so I'm 61 years old. When I was 15, 
one of my high school friends told me that I wasn't going to have a career. I, I said what I, I was interested in, what I was interested in doing as a career, and he laughed. He said, "You're not going to have a career. You're going to get married and have babies." I was 15. He was 16. Within a year, he was married and had a baby, but I, <laughs> not me. Um, not not that there's anything wrong with being married or having babies at a very early age. I don't think that there is. But I'm just saying the judgment that he put on me was he knew what my life held for me. And so many, many, many of us have been told these kinds of things as children. We're taught to believe we don't really matter, that our life choices aren't that important. We're loved, we're valuable as people, but we are limited because of our female sex. So this is a very, very common thing. And it's not the way things are anymore. So people don't even realize how impactful all of that is. And it is one of the reasons why there are so many mothers and grandmothers who are really working diligently to make a different world for their children and grandchildren. So when you are a child and you are told that your feelings aren't important, that you should be seen but not heard, in other words, we don't want to feel you, we don't want to hear from you, you just stay in the background. You are not important. But in many of those families, that was not told to the boys. Some families it was. But um, many families, there was a double standard for boys and then for girls. It seems so old-fashioned to say it, but I hear it all the time from grown women who are still affected by it. And one of the reasons why I love to do what I do, <laughs> love it so much, is because I get to listen carefully to these women who haven't been heard and have been raised to believe that their thoughts and feelings do not matter. So I love being able to listen to them carefully. It really is a joy for me, very interesting to me, and so many, many, many beautiful, beautiful people I get to listen to. It's just an absolute treasure trove of life. So I am very grateful for that. Very grateful that the programs that we have at the Power of Love Ministry give me that opportunity. Yes. And what else is really wonderful is when those women decide to be spiritual counselors and now their thoughts and feelings become very helpful and important, and they are such good listeners to other people because they know how valuable it is to feel heard, and they know what it feels like to be a victim and to be interested and willing to turn that pattern out of the mind 
and to vanquish it forever. One of the things about Christianity and the way that the crucifixion is held in the mind of Christians is that Jesus was a victim and not that he intended for that experience to demonstrate, I am not a body. I do believe he intended for that experience to happen and for it to demonstrate, I am not a body. And so that he could bring forth a demonstration of the resurrection and ascension. I don't believe it was a mistake in any way, shape, or form. And so this crucifixion being held up as being this wonderful martyr experience, which is not what Jesus intended at all, he was intending to demonstrate resurrection and ascension, that I am not a body, that you can crucify my body, you can kill the body, but you cannot kill me. I am eternal, I am infinite, I am resurrected, I am ascended. And so the crucifixion served his purpose. But the way it's been taught to people, the interpretation is that sacrifice is love, that because Jesus sacrificed himself, he was demonstrating his love. Love is sacrifice. But love is not sacrifice. This is the misinterpretation of the crucifixion. When you don't believe you're a body, the body's demise is not an issue. It's not a problem. It's not a sacrifice. So you can see how pain is a wrong perspective. And this is one of the key principles of A Course in Miracles, that we have come to believe that sacrifice is love. Love is sacrifice. And that is part of the appeal of being a victim of the world we see, is we become a victim because we sacrifice ourselves. I'm going to sacrifice my happiness. I'm going to sacrifice my having an enjoyable life, a good life, a fun life, so that my children can have a better life than me. I'm going to make a sacrifice. Now, many people will work very diligently and do all kinds of things in order that their children will have more resources and advantages than they had, but they don't see it as a sacrifice. They see it as a divine opportunity that they are grateful for, that they can do this. It's a different perspective. It really is. And I think of the times when... <laughs> I, I can remember dating a man who would say, oh, I have to babysit my children this week. He was divorced. He had children. And I'd think, babysit your children. Mm. I have to babysit my children this week. He's thinking of it as some kind of sacrifice, that something is making him do it. He has to do it. Not that, oh, I get to be with my children this week. No, I have to babysit my children this week. And, if, you know, we didn't last very long because that that just didn't feel 
like a loving father situation. I didn't see how we could possibly have a good relationship. So we we wind these or weave these victimhood perspectives into all kinds of things. I have to do this. I have to do that. And uh, I have learned, no, I get to do these things. I get to have a uh, an opportunity to work diligently for these results that I can share with everybody. So when I hear myself saying, oh, I have to do this, and it feels like a burden, then I, that's my opportunity to shift my thinking about it so I'm no longer a victim of the world I see because I'm deciding to do these things. So, for instance, oh, I, if someone says, oh, I have to take uh, my, my children to soccer and stay with them so I can't do these other things, well, you don't have to take them to soccer. You don't. But you've made a decision that that's what you'd like to do because you think that them going to soccer is a good idea for whatever reason. You're the decider who, you know, I mean, your children aren't going to take soccer without your permission and your decision. So you've decided that, and this is the support that's required. You could possibly arrange other things, but this is how you're doing it. You don't have to do it. You've decided to do it. So if we're approaching it as, oh, I have to do it, we're making ourselves into victims, and we are not the victims of the world we see. No, we have generated it. <laughs> All right, I can't believe it's time for a break already. I'm Jennifer Hadley, and you're listening to A Course in Miracles on Unity Online Radio. We're walking the talk, we're living the love, and I'll be right back. Thank you for tuning in for A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. And we're back. Thanks for coming back. (laughs) So we are not a victim of the world we see, but we get attracted to that victim thing. I used to have it a lot when I was younger, and... It was so painful because I knew I was doing it to myself, but I did feel this inexplicable attraction at times to being a victim and feeling like I could blame other people for how I felt and what was happening to me. I really was into the blame game. And, of course, judge, 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 judge. And when we are feeling that attraction of choosing to think we're a victim, behave like a victim, and let other people treat us that way, It is 100% ego identification. 
And of course, the ego's thought system is opposite of the Holy Spirit's. So when we are feeling like a victim and treating ourselves and letting other people treat us like a victim, we're feeling that we are worthless. And the fact that we let other people treat us poorly is proof that we are worthless. Sometimes I I have wonderful people in my life, and sometimes some of them will say things like, I know I'm completely dysfunctional, or I know uh, I'm not easy to be with, or I know that I'm difficult, or things like this. And because they're friends, I, I don't need to talk about their thought patterns with them uh, unless they would like to. But I sometimes would like to be able to say, hey, you could know something else instead. Because that's exactly what I would say to myself. Instead of knowing that they don't really like me or knowing that they don't respect me, I could say, I know the universe loves me and all of life is organized to express its love towards me. I'm willing to receive that love. I'm willing to accept that love fully and completely. So it's, I have found it extremely helpful to me not to say I know about things I don't like. Uh, I know I'm a problem. Some people will say things like that. I know I'm in your way. Or sometimes people will say, I know you're really busy. And I, I think, how, how do you know that? <laughs> how do you know that? I have a very full life, it's true, but I don't like to live my life so that I'm super busy. I like to have time in my day, every day, to be with spirit, to be with my own just holiness, my own self, to be able to look at the sky. I like to have time every day to be connected to nature, to connect with friends and loved ones, to cook my food, to enjoy it, to play with whatever people, animals, things there are to play with, and to relax and read and, and all watch TV, do all the things that anybody else might do. So, yes, I have a very full day. I don't waste a lot of time. I'm not, um, but I, because I'm not complaining that much. And I'm not in negative fantasy about things with worry and fear and doubt. So then I'm not experiencing those things. People who worry then often experience the results of their worrying. There are no idle thoughts. That's the thing. There are no idle thoughts at all. So when we are worrying, we are shifting how our life is and what our experience will be. 
And so if we're not worrying, we don't have to clean up, mop up that mess, right? When we're worrying and projecting negativity onto situations, then we have to clean that up. It's just how life is, for sure. (laughs) Now, the other thing is, is when we're a victim, we're going to probably feel we need to defend ourselves in some ways. And once again, there we are in that pattern of it seems like we're being attacked, so we have to defend ourselves. But the reality is that we are choosing to perceive ourselves as being attacked in order to have the right to retaliate. We're secretly looking for an excuse to attack. And that is often the case with the victim. They are secretly looking for someone to blame, someone to attack. When we're a, a victim, it, it automatically means that someone has done something wrong and they should be punished. They are a sinner. So this goes back to what we, we covered in the Laws of Chaos section. So we need to realize cause and effect is always operating in this world. So if the effect is that we feel like a victim, we need to look in our own awareness and our own consciousness for the root of that because it's it's all in our mind. We are not a victim of the world we see. There are no idle thoughts. Another reason we are drawn to the victim is we like the idea of innocence. Where's my innocence? I am innocent. I am innocent, which is true. We are innocent. Yet, when we're the victim of the world we see, we're proclaiming our innocence, but we don't really believe it. Otherwise, we wouldn't feel like a victim. If we truly sensed our innocence, we would not be feeling like a victim. That's such an interesting thing. In heaven, there are no victims. Think of it that way. So our true reality is heaven. New heaven, new earth. This is what we're bringing forth with the shift in our consciousness. We are doing it. It's happening now. And so there are no victims in heaven. That's a great thing for us to tell ourselves. There are no victims in heaven. I am choosing heaven today. There are no victims in heaven. I am choosing heaven today. I'm choosing to live in a heavenly world the world of our Creator. Heaven is at hand. All we have to do is choose it. Be willing. That's it. We don't have to create it. Just accept it. Accept it. When we choose to see ourselves as a victim, we are 
saying no to heaven. So this is the thing. We are the dreamer of the dream. We are the ones who choose how we see ourselves. What can happen is the low vibrations of fear, anger, hurt, apathy, self-hatred, all of these kinds of low vibrational thoughts and feelings, victimhood certainly, all of this, it, it has an energetic pull to it. And if it's what we're familiar with, if we grew up in a household where we felt like a victim, where we were punished a lot, and where we were chastised a lot, bullied a lot, uh, told that we weren't good enough, something's wrong with us, etc., uh, etc. Et when we're raised that way, we feel so familiar with that vibration of the victim. The world is happening to us. Not by us, but to us. Not with us, but to us. When that is how we're looking at the world, then we can become passive. And we don't have to take risks. We don't have to venture out very much. We don't have to test our wits and our intelligence. And so we're not going to fail in a big way. Instead, we're failing in a small way all the time. But if that's what we're comfortable with, because that's how we were raised, we're going to keep going with that unless we make that decision enough and go the other way. Give spirit the heavy lifting. So there is this very strong thought in the human race consciousness that to suffer is to sacrifice and to suffer and sacrifice is to somehow make us holy, make us better people. We're better people than the people who don't sacrifice and suffer. The victims of the world are better people than the oppressors of the world. See how the ego system is always looking at life in these kinds of ways. So... Better to be a victim than to be the oppressor. Maybe in past lives we were frequently the oppressor, the bossy one, the one who pushed on other people. And we have felt the pain and suffering as a result of being mean and cruel to other people and bullying them. We know how painful that can be. So now we'd rather just take what we get. 
will be the victim. Better that than the oppressor. Better that than the bully. But it doesn't have to be either or. But this is what we do in our human experience. We explore both sides of the coin. Why? In order to discover. In order to learn. Is it a bad thing? No. No. Is it painful? Yeah. Yeah, it is. But it's not a bad thing. It's just a choice. You know, some people, uh, like I, I ran the New York Marathon once, and um, I had had an injury, so it was very difficult for me. And uh, I, when it was all over and I was getting into the bathtub uh, in my apartment in New York, my parents were staying with me, and my mother said as I went into the bathtub, Oh, honey, you did it. You did it. And I said, I don't ever have to do it again. <laughs> so uh, for me, it's, I, I have, it took me a long time, but I finally learned that I do not wish to learn through these kinds of painful experiences. I would rather learn through joy, through direct remembering. So that's whew, that's the way for me now. Not interested in being a victim anywhere, in any way. Now, sometimes we can feel compelled to speak up so that we're not a victim. But I'm not interested in speaking up all the time. Everybody doesn't need to hear everything I think and everything I feel. No, they don't. And for sure... I'm not interested in blaming people for how I feel and what I think. No, I'm interested in taking responsibility. And I, I, many times I do like to share what's going on with me. And I'm careful about who can understand what I'm sharing and who can support me and is not going to hear me and think, Oh, poor me, poor her, things like that. So live and learn. We're learning all the time. And to learn anything at all is a blessing, that's for sure. I do remember that I used to feel this perverse sense of satisfaction when I felt like I was the victim and I could blame other people, or when I could just say, it's just too much for me. I have to collapse into self-medication, isolation, and the kinds of behaviors that are self-sabotaging. I remember feeling so strongly that I, I just couldn't help it. I did my best, but I just couldn't help it. And feeling relieved when I could just make the decision, yeah, I just, I can't be that good. I can't be that spiritual. I can't do that. I need to escape this world. And the only means I had were self-medication and... I knew it was a form of self-sabotage. I knew I was hurting myself. 
with drinking too much, smoking too much, eating too much, watching too much television, working too much, exercising too much, too much, too much, too much, all to excess in order to obliterate my consciousness and escape the world of effects. Of course, it didn't work, and no matter what form of self-medication I chose, I would feel some kind of hangover, the hangover of feeling like I betrayed myself. And I did feel exactly like a victim of the world I saw. I understood intellectually how I was making the world that I saw. I understood the spiritual principle. But I couldn't seem to find within me the strength to stop sabotaging myself. And I finally realized that all self-sabotage is for the purpose of slowing the spiritual growth down, seeming to reverse it or nullify it, the spiritual growth. And all of those habits and patterns were really so circular to me. I really felt like I was on this hamster wheel of self-destruction going in the opposite direction of where I wanted to go having this great desire to contribute something helpful to this world to be constructive not destructive and feeling like I couldn't get out of the loop I know this is common for a lot of people and that's why I feel compelled to share about it and to share my experiences because I do feel like I've gotten out of the loop. Um, I do see points in my experience where I could fall back into old patterns, but there's not enough temptation for me. I don't feel that. Very small I'm truly interested in the connection with God. It sustains me. And I'm I'm glad to have gotten to this point. And that's why it is so important to me to help others who feel that they're trapped in the loop. And uh, feeling like a victim of the world. In fact, I better tell you before we wrap up here, I am doing my self-sabotage challenge and I'm doing it over a course of six weeks instead of six days. And I've thrown in so many goodies into this package in order to entice people to come do this deep work with me. So it includes a counseling session. It includes... Uh, three months of my sacred circle, spiritual counseling, uh, group spiritual counseling with me. And I am doing a daily 
kundalini yoga and meditation practice, plus some other things in there, that uh, you can join me live every day on Zoom for an hour for the yoga and meditation. Uh, And if you can't be there with me live, you can simply get the recording and do the recording at your convenience because our audience is really a global audience. So while I'm going to do the practice live at 9.30 in the morning Eastern Time, people will be joining from all over. And you're so welcome to join. And this is all part of my End My Self-Sabotage Package. You can find it at jenniferhadley.com on the homepage, on the events page. And if you like, for your ease and convenience, you can use texting. Text the word events to the number 53557. So to the number 53557, text the word events. And then you'll get the information on my events page at jenniferhadley.com. So there you go. And got this wonderful package for you with the End My Self-Sabotage Challenge. It's a very succinct and powerful program, and I'd love you to take a look at all the different pieces. It's literally worth $700, and I'm offering it at the price of $127 because I just feel like right now so many people with the pandemic we need a jump start many people have gained weight they've fallen back into old habits so this is designed to help support the rebirth (laughs) of our spiritual practice and connection plus I know people have gained weight and so uh, being able to Work at the level of the mind, in the meditation, in the yoga practices, and just the the opportunity to gather together every day, if you like, and join me. We can be the two or more gathered in the name and the nature of love for a healing and holy purpose. And that is something I greatly appreciate. So I hope you will come and check out I mean my sacred circle alone for three months is 165 and the whole in my self-sabotage is 127 but you get a counseling session and you get the daily practices and you get all the components of the the challenge it's just an incredible package but I felt like it's good for us to do something extra special right now get us out of the victimhood right now so we begin on saturday the 17th of july check it out all the details at jenniferhadley.com yes well what i know is that i no longer feel like a victim of the world i see i do not feel that pull to victimhood And for me, the whole thing that got me out of that was really the willingness to hand it over to the Holy Spirit 
and most importantly, to do the self-forgiveness work. That is part of my challenge, the end my self-sabotage challenge. Do the self-forgiveness work. It changes everything. It is healing. Let's say a prayer and a blessing on that. We are grateful, we are thankful to partner up with the higher Holy Spirit self and to accept the magnificence of our true identity. We share the benefits with all. We let it be, and so it is. Amen, amen, amen. I love you. Have a great rest of your week. Mwah.